with ECU? Do you breathe purple and gold? Are you ready to hoist the colors? Now, time for the most in-depth look at the world of ECU athletics. Welcome in to Hoist the Colors with your host, Stephen Igo on 94.3 The Game. Watch the show live on Facebook and at 94.3thegame.com. Now, here's your host, Stephen Igo. All right, welcome into this edition of Hoist the Colors on 94.3 The Game. It is a Thursday, October 5th edition of the show. Very excited about today's show because we're going to be talking some pirate basketball. In a little bit, we've got Cy Seymour, ECU color analyst, set to join us on ESPN Plus now with Patrick Johnson. And we'll talk to him about the upcoming season. We also got our weekly chat with Pirate defensive line coach Mark Yellock coming as well. And so we'll be joined by Coach Yellock over the phone today and Cy Seymour here shortly as we're talking Pirate hoops and football. We are live on YouTube. We're live on Facebook, Twitter, X. So if you've got a question, a comment, or anything for us, let us know. And we'll get to that throughout the next hour. By the way, wanted to let you guys know if you are uh, a fan of the show but not yet a subscriber on hoistthecolors.net. We're currently running a special online two months for a single dollar. This offer expires at midnight but gets you access through the rest of the football season. Also, all of our recruiting coverage, that is a special offer we're running through the end of today. That, again, will expire at midnight. So just go to hoistthecolors.net. Two months for a single dollar If for uh, new subscribers and uh, to our longtime subscribers. Thank you as well. Of course, that gets you access to Paramount Plus and more on HTC. Another thing to look forward to, Sup Dogs Live. We've got that tonight coming up 5 to 6 p.m. live from Sup Dogs. That will be streamed exclusively on the ECU Sports Network. If you listen to the, uh, the Patrick Johnson show earlier, uh, they had Holt Naylor's on, the former ECU quarterback. That show will replay at 5 o'clock today as well. And we'll also be talking to Holt Naylor's from 5 to 6 at Subdogs Live, along with a couple of uh, men's golf student-athletes from ECU. Again, that will be streamed live on the ECU Sports Network. So looking forward to that, Subdogs Live, as we continue that show live from Subdogs this evening. All right, well, let's talk some pirate hoops. We've got Cy Seymour, the great Cy Seymour, Joining us on the live line, and Cy, we're just over a month away from ECU basketball coming back. How excited are you? Oh, uh, it, you know, it's a wonderful time for me. I, of course, you too. This time of year, you got everything going, football, basketball, just a lot of good things going on. But this year's basketball team, I think I'm probably the most optimistic I've been in a long time. This is This could be a pretty good year for ECU. Yeah, I'm excited. And so, honestly, there's been a lot of, of hype around this, this offseason for the Pirates, and, and understandably so. We'll go through some of the players and some of the guys coming back. But, you know, unfortunately, some of the football struggles, have, you know, everybody on Hoist the Colors or everybody I see around town is now asking me about what do you think about the basketball team? So, you know, open date, I was like, it's a perfect time to get Cy Seymour on. And uh, lots to discuss with this this team. And first off, let's start with, with last year, just the foundation Coach Schwartz set. Uh, they finished, you know, one game under 500, but 16 wins the most, I believe, in eight or nine years. So when you look back, and, and look, we were all fans of Joe Dooley, uh, definitely, but do you look back at the, the first year Coach Schwartz had and, uh, I think it went about as best as it could have gone in many ways, especially as far as setting the culture. Just what was your assessment on last year for Coach Schwartz? Well, uh, of course, I agree with you, and, and I thought Joe Dooley did a tremendous job. He was an inherited 
a tough situation when he came in. But it worked out well for everyone. Joe's back at Kansas and with Bill Self, and he'll do a tremendous job over there. But Mike Swartz brought a fresh, out-of-town attitude that had no idea about ECU, and he put a culture in that says, we're here to win championships. He didn't say win season. When he's getting these huddles at the end of practices and stuff, he's saying, we're here to get to the NCAAs every year. And he makes he really pushes that with this. So when you, it's a different air on when you go to practices, uh, and the, the intensity level on defense uh, was unbelievable. And he played with a young team, and, and you look up and he's playing tough against really good programs, winning some games on the road. You got to give Mike uh, Swartz and his staff uh, uh, just a tremendous pat on the back. I mean, when you look at what Jake Morton and of course uh, Riley Davis and. Uh, all these guys did. I mean, it was just unbelievable. And now you get in Mark Adams, and we'll talk about that later on. That's that's a bonus guy. Reggie Williams, the, the strength coach. All these guys are doing a great job. Jesse is running the ops part. It's just a really good staff to work with. Rizzo Seymour, color analyst for East Carolina basketball, one of the uh, the best people in the business that I've had the pleasure of meeting. And, and Si, you've been out to – to some of these practices and before we kind of dive into some of the individual players any big takeaways as far as just when you watch it you know from the the naked eyes you're taking in these practices like what stands out to you most well i think the great thing is and when you really look at it and i talk, you know i'm talking to staff on the side and, and i'm watching the thing is it's not a young team anymore. We always talk about young at East Carolina. You know, we've talked before, Steve. We're, we're young. We're this. Well, now you've got R.J. Felton, who's a junior, legitimate. You've got Brandon Johnson, who is a junior. Quentin DeBunger, who's a junior. These kids are old. You know, Ezra Azar is your youngest guy, and he played all year last year. Uh, all these guys that we're talking about are older. Bayala's older. These guys have had time to play here. And Bobby Pettiford coming in has played at Kansas. I mean, this is not a team that's young. They are ready to go, and they have the work ethic, not of a high school kid, but a college kid that's been through it. And they've been through it with Coach Swartz, who's extra tough. I mean, I don't mean tough in a bad way. I mean, they go after it hard. And, uh, and, the, and the other thing I've seen is the staff is so good. Mark Adams adds a different dimension on defense. And you know me, Stephen, I, I coached it, and I love it. And I love what Mike Schwartz does. Schwartz is, is great at it. And now you add, and when you add uh, Mark Adams with him, it, it just gets to another level. So a lot of good things going on on, on, on the team. Uh, and these kids are ready to go. I, I, the biggest thing I know, they're tired of practicing against each other. Yeah, and I was going to ask, you know, from a defensive perspective, I remember being out there last year and just being kind of amazed at the, the level of detail Coach Schwartz would, would coach things up defensively. It was like if you're not in the right spot, the exact right spot, depending on what side of the, the court the ball handler is bringing the ball up, uh, he would get pretty upset because all that stuff is, is detail-oriented, and it would just seem like the addition of Coach Adams, who has a tremendous background in college basketball, but definitely from a defensive perspective would take it to another level. So without giving away specifics, like what have you seen – uh, and too, with that that grown experience, like have you seen that defensive philosophy even go to another level? Yeah, it, 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 and look, I mean, look, I got Mark Adams one day, and I was out there, and I just wanted to pinch him a little bit. So I said, you know, see, when we played Arkansas Little Rock against Chris Beard, 
I said, that's the best defensive effort I've ever seen against us. They put on a clinic. Well, guess who had the scout for that game? Mark Adams. He was his assistant there. And, and we, so we broke it open there. We started talking. He said, yeah, that was my scout. He did a tremendous job. And so then I threw out, you know, I was pulling for you against Virginia. And that shot the kid hit for Virginia in the corner to beat you, he worked and earned every minute of it. And he then he started to break it down. And it was on a level I'd not heard of. I mean, he is really good at what he does. And so is Mike Schwartz. They're on that level. And uh, then you've got the rest of the staff. You know, you, you can't go wrong with Jake Morton. You can't go wrong with Riley Davis. They've been in it, and they know what to do. So it's a veteran staff. They've done it together. and uh, But really, it is a different level. Uh, when he started talking about it, I said, my goodness. I'm just used to shell drills and getting one pass away, getting your foot in the paint, drawing the weak side charge. I'm used to stuff that normal. They go to a totally different level, and it's how. To, and really, now the day's world, it's about how to defend ball screens. They take it to a totally different level, and it's just fun to watch what these guys do, and the talent levels there. Stephen, the difference is the talent level that we have now. You've got ten guys or eleven guys. <laughs> it's tough. We got uh, Sai Seymour with us, and one of those guys who's definitely talented and has been waiting for his moment is Bobby Pettiford. We know Coach Dooley recruited him hard out of high school. He ends up going to Kansas, you know, played, I think, at every game last year off the bench, but uh, did unfortunately get hurt earlier this offseason, but I believe back is back now. So what have you seen out of Bobby Pettiford? And I think at this point you kind of assume he's the, the starting point guard, and what do you think he brings to this team? Well, I think Bobby Bobby is a true point guard. I tell you, how, you know, it's crazy how this all started. Rafael Chilius and I were sitting at SMU eating breakfast, and he said, we're looking at a kid named Bobby Pettiford. Well, Todd, my son was coaching at Wake Forest High School, and he had told me there's a kid over here that we need to be on, but he's just a sophomore. So I said, there's a kid, and, 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 I, and I said, we were talking, he said, we're on that kid. I mean, that's what Chilius said. We're on that kid. So I got Todd on the phone to talk to Chilius right there at a breakfast table in in Dallas, Texas, when Pettiford was a sophomore. They were on him. Joe did a great job on recruiting that kid. But give credit to Mike Schwartz. When this kid got put back in to the portal, Mike got on it. Coach Schwartz got on it, got him to come here. And that kid did he wanted to come here. He wanted to be at ECU, wanted to come home. And and he could have easily – he was supposed to take a trip after his weekend to Georgetown. He was supposed to go up to Georgetown and take a trip. He said, nope, I'm going to play at East Carolina. I want to be here. I don't want to go to Georgetown. I want to be at ECU. Now, the problem with Bobby is that he, he, is, he, is, a, he is a true point guard, but right now he's got a nagging hamstring. So when I went over the other day, he wasn't quite ready. He was working out and ready to go. But what Coach Schwartz tells me and what the other staff members he is a true point guard. He see, has great vision of the floor. The big problem with a point guard, any point guard, I don't care who you are, is the balance between shooting it too much and not passing it enough or passing it too much and losing your confidence in your shot. And we've been lucky. We had, you know, we've had great point guards. Tristan Newton knew how to balance it. Uh, and others. I mean, right down the line, we've had them. And, and, Bobby Pettiford may be the best at that. He can, he can, he can defend. He can play hard. He's strong physically. Uh, and he can hit the open man for the assist, but he can also shoot. The key will be, can he stay healthy? 
can he stay healthy? And right now, he's, he's, he's nursing a little bit of a hamstring, but he's ready to get out there. It won't be long. He'll be ready to go. They also added Cam Hayes and others question marks as to whether he'll, he'll be eligible or not. Have you heard anything on that front? And then also, you know, if he, if he's unable to go, I guess the good news is you got a lot of depth in that, uh, you know, at the guard position that you can really count on. So kind of a bonus if he's, if he's able to go. I do know he's got a red shirt year available as well, as well. So have you heard anything on Cam Hayes? Cam Hayes, nothing still, they're still trying to get it. This is me. This is a personal opinion. I don't, I don't know if he'll get it. It's very, very, they've been tight on this. Uh, like the kid at Carolina in football couldn't get there. I, I don't know if they'll get it. I hope they do. I hope it works. But Cam Hayes could definitely help this ball club right now. He can shoot it from anywhere. He's got a great personality. He's got a winning work ethic. He played for a great high school coach at Greensboro Day. This is a kid that can really help you. And I hope he gets eligible. I just, the pattern is like right now. You don't hear until late. And he's working out and wanting and eager to go, but you just don't know. My gut says, I, I just don't see it happening, but that's me. And that has nothing to do with the university or nothing to do with the NCAA. Uh, but I hope he can go this year because he is a talent that can shoot it from anywhere. He's really a good player. And a, all these kids have really good – I was fortunate enough to meet the parents when they came in, in in early September or early August. And these these kids have – people that really pull for them and they're good people and these kids are good players it's a really exciting time no doubt if he's eligible he'll, he'll be a big time addition oh, yeah. right away uh you just never know with the ncaa side i think we can agree on that uh what, what way they'll go, they'll go in um ezra Asar coming back brandon johnson coming back so i mean you, you got to feel good about those guys in the front court and to me like i think ezra was so good last year we didn't i didn't even know at the time he was playing with the shoulder injury so uh he's gotten that fixed what what's the next step for ezra is it shooting the ball more what do you feel like he can he can grow well i think ezra uh has the ability to do whatever he wants to do he he listen he can play he can handle the ball on the perimeter he can defend a two guard he's quick he can do a lot of good things and if he puts his mind to it, uh, he can do about really any any aspect of the game. I'm sure he's been working on his sharp shot, as everyone has, and, and getting it a little further out. But as far as he's concerned, the sky's the limit. I think Brandon Johnson's shooting the ball the best I've seen him shoot it. He, he really has looked good. Ezra looks good. And, and, you know, never underestimate the work ethic and the ability of R.J. Felton. I mean, he is just... I went up to him after practice and said, R.J., looks like you'll have some depth and you'll get to rest. He said, I don't want to rest. <laughs> he said, I want to be out there. <laughs> That's his attitude, and he is a worker. What he did to Cincinnati last year in, in the home game against a great Cincinnati ball club and well-coached was unbelievable what R.J. Felton did, and he's worked on his shot. But you know the guy that we really talk, really need to talk about that, that really changed the season for us was Jade Walker. You know that kid, six foot five, had to move to the point he can guard one through five. He's shooting the ball better, I, and he defends anybody and shuts you down. That kid, I mean, I, we've got you know you're right, we've got Pettiford, but you're right, we've got depth there, and you also got the young man Lacan that can give you some minutes. But those guys that are coming back, and, and, and look, 
Ben Bayala and the, and the Quentin DeBouge are, are they're, they're a step above this year just by getting a year in. So everybody we're talking about has had more playing time. They are ready to go, and they're confident. In one of the early magazines that I get, we're out of 14 teams, we're picked six. We're never picked six. Then in the Blue Ribbon magazine, we're picked eight out of 14. We're never picked. We're always 10, 11, 12, or 13, 14. This is a t- and they're even saying, this is what we think, but it could be higher. You know, this is a different team, and uh, I'm looking forward to seeing how they, how they respond. So you mentioned Dabunje and Baela, and I even look at the freshman. You know, it's Corey Faison, and like I, I kind of see that wing spot, that three spot, maybe as like I, I'm just waiting for somebody to emerge there. You know, we know RJ can play. We know whether it's uh, you know Pettiford or Walker handling the ball at points. My my question is, who's going to emerge at that wing spot? Is it going to be uh, you know Baela stepping up? Is it going to be Dabunje, or is it going to be Faison, the talented freshman? So, do you feel like that could be kind of a key to the ECU season? Who kind of emerges in that role? Yeah, it could be. But the truth is, if your young centers play well, and, and Finito's out there, who's coming back and he's active, you've got the young kids that I really like. Sierra Malanga's a good player. Callum Richards going to be good. You're going to get minutes out of them, so you can move everybody around a little bit. Brandon can play the three. You know, he can play that swing. Uh, he's shooting it better, trying to handle it better. But you've got Ben Bayala, and, and like you said, I like both of those kids. RJ's going to be you – are, you are fighting for time is what you're doing. These are all good, good players. I don't see RJ leaving anything. He's going to be really tough. I think Johnson's going to be tough. Ozar is uh, going to be tough. And, I, of course, the point guards are going to be tough. I think Ben and Quentin can, can really go after it. Uh, and, and young freshman, what I like about him, Stephen, I'm glad you brought him up. He is already has the physical body of an American player in this league, the American Conference player. He's just got to learn. He can shoot it. And when he dunks it, it scares you. And and, and, and I'm talking about the kid from Goldsboro, Faison. He's that good. Uh, but he's not He's not there yet, and he doesn't have to be. In the past, a kid like that would start for us, make the all-freshman team, because he had to play 30 minutes a game. We don't have to do that this year. That That's what's kind of not – it's building of a program, and he's got really good parts of the puzzle that uh, that is fun to watch. And you got to give the coaching staff credit for that, every one of them. They have recruited, fought it out. And they've got a good balanced ball club with experience and young kids. Lastly, for you, side the schedule. Do you like how it lines up? It seems like there's some winnable games early, but some tests as well. South Carolina, UNCW coming to Minji's, the neutral site game with Florida, and of course the conference opener that the AAC gives ECU at FAU on January 2nd. So, how do you like how the schedule lines up? Uh, I think the schedule lines up well. The, the funniest thing about this schedule this year is, is really when you look at your conference schedule, you have five new coaches in the league, North Texas, Charlotte, Temple, Wichita State, USF, all have new coaches. Now, and listen, make no bones about FAU. They're that good. And, and Dusty May is a really good coach, and he kept all five starters. And the conference didn't do us any favors, and that's our opening game down there at Boca Raton. That's our opening conference game against FAU. They're that good. And that's not that's not a fluke, but the non-conference schedule 
I think it's probably one of the best I've seen. I appreciate the administration putting on a three-day tournament. I think that's really important, or at least a three-game uh, get-together against Northeastern Georgia Southern and Kennesaw State. I think that's important for your ball club. I think your challenges are going to be Wilmington, who's got everybody back and had a good ball club. I think South Carolina's going to be hungry. And then you've got Florida. It is a, it is a difficult preseason, but a good, good preseason because you've got most of them at home. George Mason on the road will be tough, but they've got a new coach. So there's a lot of good things going on, but also tough things. So I, I, I'm like you. I like the balance of the schedule. I, I give credit to Coach Schwartz because he's got a lot of input to do this thing. And I think it's the right one. There's some tough ones. There's some easy ones. But, you, but the bottom line is you've got to come out of there real successful in your non-conference schedule. He is Cy Seymour. Check him out this season. Uh, color analyst for East Carolina basketball, ESPN Plus. He'll be call, calling a lot of games with Patrick Johnson. And Cy, November 6th versus Ferrum. It'll be here before you know it, but we appreciate the time, man. Looking forward to the season. And thank you for what you do, and let's keep it going. And uh, good luck to the Pirate football team. But thank you for what you do. I mean, it. it's a big help to the university and to these athletic programs. Well, I appreciate you, Sai. You're the best, man. As always, we'll catch up again here shortly. All right, Si Seymour on the other side. We will catch up with Mark Yellock, the former ECU defensive line coach. We'll have our weekly check-in with Coach Yellock, look back at the Rice game, talk about the open week and more. You're listening to a Thursday edition of Hoist the Colors. Climb aboard as we set sail and hoist the colors. Matey. Back to the show with Steve and I go on 94.3 The Game. All right, welcome back into this Thursday edition of Hoist the Colors. We just talked some pirate hoops with Cy Seymour. And really looking forward to that season. It will start November 6th. Now let's talk some pirate football. It is an open date, but of course we're continuing on. With our ECU football talk, a week from today, they will take on SMU. They're coming off a loss to the Rice Owls, and we were joined by Mark Yellock on the phone. And, Coach, we, uh, we we broke it down last week, what East Carolina needed to do to win the game, and really they shut down Rice for the majority of the game. They played well for the majority of the game. They just didn't make that those key plays to win it. So when you were watching it, looking back at it, what was kind of your assessment of the 24-17 loss to Rice? That's exactly what you just said. You know, I thought that I thought that they, um, for the most part, they controlled the line of scrimmage, you know, defensive-wise, and and they just did some good stuff um, getting pressure on the quarterback. But all of a sudden, like that one play where we almost had him, he, um, JT slipped it, and then he, you know, made a completion on the third and long situation. I think it's like maybe about two third and long situations they got that really was like, gosh, the mighty. You, you just stopped them on those situations. You, you, you could you could be in a better situation, you know? Um, remember that time they got the penalty? Like, they hit, um, Rice had like two penalties in a row or some, something to that extent. Not not the goal line one. I, mean, I think it was a little bit later on in midfield. That, that, that kind of crushed them. And then, I mean, those things, and they lost the field position even when they got backed up on that, that one drive um, that was um, started like at the, the one quarter inch line um so it was just those things right there is just um you saw i saw some good things man both sides of the ball you know i saw some some 
some things like that. You just hope in that situation that, that um, we could have just pulled out a win on that one and just, you know, wasn't meant to be. But there's some lessons you can be built upon. And I'm always coming from the perspective of just building and continue to, to learn when you, when you lose, learn from those perspectives, especially with the type of team that they have here. And what we'll see as a fan base, I know it kind of sucks now, but I think that, that as we go along in this, in this process, that these lessons that these, these young kids can learn these lessons and these new players that they got can learn these lessons and they can keep a hold of these guys in the, um, from the portal that they can learn from these deals and they can, be, they, they can start winning these games eventually. We're joined by Mark Yellock over the phone. And yeah, I mean, there's been a lot of disappointed ECU fans, and I get it, you know, losing to Rice. Never fun. Uh, three ECU outgains them though, three ninety one to two seventy seven. You know, I think it would be more discouraging if ECU went up there, got outgained by two hundred yards, got beat by two or three touchdowns. Uh, you know, ECU controlled the town possessions. They just had to settle for too many field goals. And you know, I yep. I, I think this team is maybe closer. I know, but nobody wants to hear this right now, but maybe closer than people think. Um, you know, you're one and four. Nobody wants to be one and four, but. You know, do, do you feel like there's still, you know, reason for optimism going into this open date? Like, you know, if they can clean up the necessary things, is there still time to turn this thing around? No, I, I do. I do think there's time. You know, they they got a, road, a tough road ahead of them. You know, just like anything else, about to get in the meat of the, of the schedule uh, when it comes to conference stuff. I know this is their first conference game, but they got some more conference teams that's going to be pretty good. Like Utah, not Utah, but um, UTSA, um, and those teams. You know, UTSA. Um, SMU, uh, those teams are—they are, got pretty good players, and, and, and they're gonna—you gonna have to really play. Um, that they're gonna be a different, different way than Rice. They're gonna be a little bit better version than Rice, in my opinion, athletically, in certain spots. Um, so you know, they just—they just, just got to continue to build on what they're doing and learn how you know continue to learn how to win the game and 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 play their brand and win and, and win field position and everything else. I think that was one of the glaring things there too, and towards the end of that game was. Is, is the field position aspects of it. I would like to go back and see that field position aspect in that fourth quarter compared to all the other times, you know? Um, I felt like they, they, they didn't have that towards the end of the game in their favor. Um, and I, I just – I think there is room for optimism. Um, and I get it. People want to have – you know, they want to, they want to win now and they want to win um, – against Rice, and they, they kind of look down on Rice a little bit. But it, I told you before, Rice is a good team. they got good athletes. And, and towards the end, that their athletes kept stepped up. Like number 10 stepped up towards the end. They, they kind of held them at the very beginning of the game. And then all of a sudden, in the fourth quarter, you start making some key catches there, you know? So, and by the way, though, I did tell you that JT Daniels was going to play this. He did. He played. He, I don't know if he was 100%, <laughs> but he, he made some big throws when it counted. There's no doubt about no, that. No, he was not. He wasn't a hundred percent, and I thought that going into the game, I thought that ECU did it, had the right plan of getting after him and blitzing him. Um, and here's a, here's a, you know here's a simple success. I always say simple success in situations like this. The game before Rice was giving up, it was like four hundred some yards. Yeah. In this game, you already you already said the total offense they had this time. So so it just now is all about just this winning those key key um, possessions and those key moments and making competitive catches and, and, you know, just making making the right plays at the right time. And I think that we'll we, we'll continue to go with that deal, you know. So I like the fact that they got 80 involved in the game. I like the fact they got 30 involved. I thought they, you know, I thought they did some – number five has really stepped up in the last two games and, and, and really been been that type of guy, you know. 
So he just need, need they just need to continue on. Yeah, I think it's Souls. Is that how you spell it? Yeah, Jay Soul. You know, so 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 you know, I, I think I think I think we if they just continue on and continue to build like they're doing, I think I think and I, I know it makes the, it always seems like I'm a homer because because I because I'm an East U guy, but I, I I just tell her how I feel. You know, I really believe that it, it, there's steps to to winning. I mean, you, you, especially with a new quarterback, with new new play, uh, new positions, uh, players playing not new positions, but new guys really filling a bigger role. And you're going to go through some of these growing pains some years. Some years you may have some new players that come out there and they just gangbusters and they go and they just make plays like a David Garrard, like a you know like a Shane Carden, you know, saying like like a, uh, Justin Hardy, you know, those type of players, you know. You, you would love to have those guys a lot of times, but sometimes you might—they might not be in the cards initially. But I think they have some some, some guys that can that, that can um they can play. We uh, we met with the coaches yesterday as far as media, and we talked to Mike Houston and the coordinators. Uh, I asked Coach Houston after the game, you know, do you look at making any changes offensively, kind of given the struggles? And then he said we got to look at everything. He kind of reiterated that yesterday and said that he. You know, kind of sat down with each phase of the ball, I'm guessing each coordinator to really hone in on what things they need to improve on to address their deficiencies. So kind of from your experience in a bye week, and it's kind of a shortened bye week because of the Thursday night game next week, but, you know, what what is different this week compared to, you know, a regular week, and then how much can you really maybe alter or change what you're doing, or is it more just a small adjustments? No, what it is is that you fall back on fundamentals in your off week. You know, and really, you don't fall back on it because you, you're always on it. Um, you do the things that you that you talk about. You probably put yourself in these little situations that that that, that they falter in. I'm pretty sure they're doing a lot of. Um, I, it looks like to me that um, they're probably working on um, situational football. You know, you know, I think that that could be a good thing for them to be to be working, and I'm pretty sure that's one of the things that they're probably talking about is being better in situations and um, and executing certain things. Now, this could be a, a good thing for them playing on a Thursday because they now, because usually when you play on a Saturday, you give you give the kids either Saturday off, and then you kind of, you know give them Friday or Saturday off depending on the program, and you come back at it on. On Monday, or I don't know, some teams have Monday, practice on Monday, some teams practice on Sundays, but whatever their off day is, then you just come back at the beginning of the next week, and then you, you know it just falls back into a new week. But this time, I'm pretty sure they'll practice. They'll probably give them a um, Sunday off or something, something to the extent you got to give them a day off. But you have more consecutive practices, so you get more of a, in, in a routine of things. And I'm pretty sure they're grinding. You know, because you know you're not relaxing off of a one to four um, record. You, you, you're you're in the kids are probably probably feeling the blunt blunt of it. You know, coaching wise, they're probably coaching them hard. Um, but I think I think I think this is a good thing for them. They fall back on it. It's, it's a good thing to assess what you need to work on. Look at yourself, scouts, and see some of the things that you're doing, and and, and what's good, what's bad, and what needs to be improved. Because you got really you really got two things when you're looking at it when you when you look at yourself, scout. Is it scheme? Or is it player technique? You know what I'm saying? And then, um, and you kind of assess what, 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 what we need to work on, and you go from there with it. And fa- you know, fans they want to you know change coordinators midseason or change schemes. Like I mean, that's just to me, it's not real realistic. And I know it, it can be done technically speaking, but if you do that, you can also open a bunch of can of worms too. So like from a s- schematic standpoint, 
you know, can you really reassess what you're doing on like a bye week or is it, is it more just, Hey, maybe we leave this call on the table for now because we don't execute this call real well. Is it like specific calls versus just overhauling schemes? Well, each week coaches go through and they look at it. coordinators and, and each side of the ball go back and look at your self scout and kind of, and kind of portray which you're good at and what you need to work at, you know? And then now at this point, it's just a summation of all those, those things you need to work on. And you look at it from this perspective and say, all right, what is blaring? What is, what is consistently showing? Is it, is it tackling? Is it blocking? Is it catching? Is it this read from the quarterback? Is the corner always showing this when we play in this coverage? Is, is the old lineman always missing on this? And then, like I said before, then you go through it and say, all right, is it a scheme or is it a talent or is it a technique? You see what I'm saying? And if it if it's one of those deals, you, especially if it's a talent deal, you throw you throw that play out or you throw that call out. Or if it's a technique deal, then you, you really home in on it and you get the technique fixed. And you're not going to get a lot of things fixed in, in, in a couple of days, but you can really home in on what you need to do and then address it. And you, you, you have a point where you can – we always like to talk – Ruff used to say this a lot, command influence. And then so they go as you go as the coaches. So if you really demand a certain thing or you demand a certain avenue of it, the kids always seem to to get it done. It, it, it goes like that in the business world. You know, if, if if your boss is demanding you to do a certain thing better, okay, you may not agree with it initially, but you're going to work on those particular situations and you're going to get better at it. And I think that those are the things that in the off week, these, this what the coaches are here are doing because then now you don't have to worry about preparing for a particular team. You're preparing for them a little bit. So towards the end of the week, you, you're, you're, they're already um, working on SMU and working on some of the top plays that they're doing and some of the you know key situational stuff that they're doing. But along with that, they're also implementing some of the things that they, they kind of home in on. At the very beginning of the week, they probably already addressed some of the things they needed to work on initially and did a self-evaluation on it. And throughout this week, they're working on those particular situations and and along with working with SMU stuff. We're with Mark Yellock, former ECU D-lineman and D-line coach, joins us every Thursday on the program. We've talked a lot about the offensive inconsistencies to this point, Coach. The 391 yards was the best output for ECU, and they ran – 83 plays, not counting penalties. So they, they ran a lot of plays. They possessed the time, struggled to score in the red zone. Uh, but did you see some things offensively? You know, Alex Flynn ended up playing, I think, you know, all but two snaps, you know, near the goal line when they put in Mason Garcia. So do you see this offense making progress and things to build off on that side of the ball? Yeah, I think, no, I, I really do. I, I think overall, you know, I thought that they did, I thought that they, 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 some people are stepping up, and some teams will make. Um, some guys are stepping up and making plays, and and they just need to continue to do that. Again, we both said it. You said it at the very beginning of the show. Is that uh, of the segment right here that you said that that it's all about certain key moments of the game and just learning how to win and, and and winning those key situations and those key opportunities. You know, making that third down throw or making that third down catch or making that that third and one on the goal line. You know, type of thing in order to get it in the end zone. You know, saying you know instead of instead of rushing it and then and faltering on fourth and one, you know, making that play, scoring that touchdown, maybe that changes the game. You know, so so those are the type of things that I know that they're going back and looking at and and and, and working on. So now I thought the offense is, is, is doing and getting better in certain in certain areas, and and you know need need a couple more guys to step up, which they will. You know, because the other coach is going to coach them hard to do so. 
Um, I like to see, you know, one and zero and 88 and those guys, you know, in the receiver group that, that continue to continue to do the things they need to do. Uh, I, um, I really like what five is doing. He's kind of, he's kind of catching the ball and playing at a good clip it, from, from film, you know, his coaches, um, I say that. And then you talk to the receiver coaches, like, Man, he's got this, 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 and he's got to work on. So you, the job is never done, but he, he, he's, he's, he's kind of stepping out. I'm, I'm seeing him a little bit more, not saying and 80 stepping up too. So they, I, I think in 30 and, and, and you see 47 is playing a little bit more too. So that, that's, that's good to see too. During the bye week, I mean, it's you guys as coaches never really get time off, and you know you guys are recruiting. ECU's coaches will hit the road recruiting this weekend, and uh, you know kind of balance that in addition to preparing for SMU. Just curious, like when you were in the you know coaching as recently, obviously as last spring, but even last year, like during the bye week, do you get any downtime during a week like this, or if you're in ECU shoes, like being one and four and having to recruit. Is it does it even increase this this sense of urgency even more? Like you you almost have to work even harder. Not that you guys aren't working hard, but I don't know. Like does the situation ECU's in make it tougher to enjoy any downtime in a time like this? Well, I don't I don't know I don't know if any coach in America will have any downtime on any any during the season. You know, I mean, like you always you always on point. You always want to make sure that you're getting your base covered in in in, in recruiting and in just coaching your guys up and making sure that they're doing technique wise and just, just everything that you're doing, no matter if you have a, no matter if you're five and oh, or if you're, if you're one and four, you know, you, you're still on point with everything. Yeah. It makes it a little bit more sense of urgency, um, because of the, because of the record, but you're still working your tail off in order to get, to get what you, you know, to get your job done and to, um, to get your, to get your room or to get your side of the ball or get your position group. Um, better. Um, recruiting wise, I mean, you, you, you're recruiting consistently and constantly. And you know, this is, it gives you a time to go out there and see some guys actually play. Cause, um, they, they, you know, they went on the road this past weekend to Houston. So this week they, they can do a little bit more, um, going out the road and seeing some guys and, um, seeing some of the key guys that either got committed or some of the guys that they're trying to, um, get in the boat or even, and maybe some guys in the area where, that he actually just need to see a little bit more, you know? He's Mark Yellock. Uh, last question for you, Coach. So I know you didn't deal with guys catching the ball firsthand when you were a D-line coach, but there were seven drops this past weekend. It's kind of been, uh, you know, an ongoing ordeal for the receivers at ECU uh, thus far this season. You know, when your position group was maybe struggling with something as a group, whether it be tackling or just, you know, as far as executing assignments, Obviously, you have to address it, but do you worry about it as a position coach becoming mental at some point and that lingering? Like, how do you address something that is kind of a repeated issue as a position coach? Okay, well, as a position coach, what you need to do is first, before you point the finger at the player, you got three fingers pointing right back at you when, when, when you're pointing somebody. Okay, so so first, so you so you look at yourself three times as much as you do that player. Um, and this is true facts. What I what how I assess any technique issues. All right, I look at it and see, all right, what am I doing drill-wise in order to get this t- taken care of, okay? Number two, what is the issue? Because there's, there's, is it, is it they're not holding their hands the right way? Is it that they're not expecting the ball? What, what, is the, what is the issue? What is the technique issue within that situation? And you comb the film. You look at all those seven drops that you mentioned there, and you just look at those things and really comb it as, a, as, a, as an individual coach, Okay. 
And then now, once you get, and really what you do is you look at all the drops, really, and you say, all right, and you break it down per player, per person, so you get individual with it, you know? So, all right, you look at all of whoever number, you know, say whatever number it is. I don't, you know, I don't want to call numbers out, but, you know, whoever the number is that dropped the ball, you want to look at that individual person and say, all right, what is, what, how does he catch the ball? What is it, what is his, what is his issue? And you look at each one as an individual, and then you look at and see, What's the summation of it? All right. All of them are constantly doing this. That's the reason why they're not catching. Well, I need to drill this better. Or, well, this individual is not catching the ball because of this. And then you go individually, you bring them in your office, and you sit them down, and you kind of on a one-on-one basis, and you go through it. You know, so you you really comb in hard on it. I don't think – you don't make it being mental. Um, I, I, I think that you just address it. You, just address it, you know, um, you, you don't have time for things to be mental. You got to just address the situation in order to get it fixed. He is Mark Yellock. Coach, we appreciate the time on today's program. I guess we'll try to get you back in studio next Thursday. It'll be game day. So we'll have a, uh, a nice preview then, but we'll talk to you next week ahead of SMU. But appreciate the time as always. No problem. Hey, look, I got one, one more, one more thing, man. Yeah, what's up? Have you still learned, have you, have you learned the fight song yet? Nah. <laughs> hey, I, I do, but I can't, I can only sing it after a win. ECU's got to win first. Okay, well, you know, you heard it. You heard it here, guys. We're working on it. Okay. Hey, we're so, working so, on it. So we're going to pull, we're, we're going to pull that card when, when, when it happens next week. When the Pirates win next Thursday, I'll sing it and I'll send you a recorded copy. How about that? <laughs> That's great, man. I appreciate you. Go uh, Pirates. All right, he's Mark Yellock. We will talk to him again next week. All right, let's get a break in. We'll come back. We'll uh, share some comments from yesterday's press conferences with the coordinators on the other side. This is Hoist the Colors on a Thursday. We're live with Stephen Igo on 94.3 The Game. Hoist the Johnny Roger! Now, back to Hoist the Colors. All right, welcome back into the program. And uh, we got, uh, we just talked to Mike Yellow, or Mark Yellow, Mike Yellow. We're about to play custom Mike Houston uh, here in a little bit in the coordinators as well as we wrap up the show. We got a question from Michael Jones on YouTube. He says, how long do you get to use growing pains as a reason before it becomes an excuse. I mean, I think it, and it's, it is an excuse, but it's also a reason. I mean, I think it can be both to a degree. You know, you're in year five. You know, you should say you shouldn't have growing pains in year five, but when you are breaking in a new quarterback and you lose all the offensive production you do, there are going to be natural growing pains, but not that that makes the situation any easier for, uh, for the fans or the coaches, but it is, is a reality too. But, you know, you also, I think, have some some talent deficiencies as well offensively. So they're not just growing pains. We also have some some talent pains. I don't even know if that makes sense, but that's what I'm rolling with. So I mean, there's I think there's been some recruiting misses in certain areas, and uh, that is leading to some offensive struggles as well. But I really think with this defense, they can win some games. They just have to find a way to punch the ball in the end zone and manufacture enough offense, and that'll be the story coming out of the bye week. All right, so we were at practice. On Wednesday during the open date, we caught up with Mike Houston, and I asked him after the game, do you look at any changes offensively? He said, we're going to look at everything. I kind of reiterated that question yesterday and said, how do you find the balance of making changes at this point along with not getting away from what has you know, led you to success over your coaching career? So here's Mike Houston's response to that question on Wednesday. Really, we've evaluated everything, personnel, who's who's on the field, who's not, uh, how we're using personnel, um, you know, 
schematically, we've looked at things we're doing well, things we need to do better. Um, I've laid out some, some specific areas for uh, all three phases that uh, I want them to have a concrete plan going to this next game of how to you know, address you know, deficiencies better. Um, so hopefully all that pays off and us uh, you know, playing at a much higher level. So we'll see what those changes are. Coming out of the bye week, I would not expect him to announce, you know, schematic changes, obviously going to a new game against SMU. And we'll have to see if anything changes, at least from the naked eye. Uh, being out of practice on Wednesday, you know, Donnie Kirkpatrick was still running the offense, clearly, and you, I didn't notice any major changes as far as, you know, maybe some slight personnel here or there, but nothing that really stuck out. So we'll have to see. How it looks next week when the Pirates kick off against SMU. We also talked with the coordinators. We brought up the drop issues with Mark Yellock, and we asked Donnie Kirkpatrick about it as well. And uh, here was his response to the seven drops and how he's addressing it at practice this week. I can be a little high strung. I know that. The kids would tell you that. Joe would, would back them up on that a little bit. I told them in the team meeting I was going to relax, okay? This happened last year uh, when Holton and me had to kind of go round and round one day out there, and he told me I needed to relax, and I said, I will relax. Then you play good this week, and y'all win. And we went on like a four-game win streak. So uh, I told him I'm going to relax. We've had some drops this week. I have not lost my cool one time uh, this week. Uh, the thing is, the guys that have dropped them are guys that I know can catch them. That's why we're throwing it to them. That's why they're in there. And they will start making these plays. So we, we are trying to be positive because we don't want to just beat them down. Talking about the the drops from the receivers, got to catch the ball. Can't have seven drops. And, I mean, you can have one or two, but you can't survive seven. Lastly, our last cut from the coordinators, Blake Carroll. It's been a pretty solid start to the year defensively, but they're still giving up that one or two plays that are just backbreakers, and that's kind of the emphasis this week. And Blake Carroll was asked about that, getting over that hump, heading into the bye and after. Close ball games, you know, you always can pick out. Uh, you know, when you, when, when you get um, when you get blown out, sometimes you, you you don't really pick out two or three plays. But when you're in a close ball game, you can go back to, you know. Double pass. You can go back to hey the two minute drive right before the half and half stage. You can go back to a screen play. You can go back to a third and twelve. You know you can pick out two plays from each game and it goes fourteen points the other way. And um, you know some of that is a little bit of inexperience. Uh, and some of that we just we got to go make the play. I mean we really do. And, and I think that's just really really focused on our job each individual all eleven and make sure we're getting guys in, in the right position to make those plays too. So. Um, we're close, you know, we just got to get over the hump and get there and, and really um, keep forcing turnover and keep focusing on what we do and, and how we do things. All right, there is ECU defensive coordinator Blake Harrell. You can watch all those press conferences, Mike Houston, Donnie Kirkpatrick, Blake Harrell on the Hoist of Colors YouTube page, also on the 94.3 The Game YouTube page as well. All right, that'll do it for today's show. Again, Holden Aylers was on with Patrick Johnson earlier, and you can hear that at 5 o'clock on the Patrick Johnson Show, former ECU quarterback. We'll also talk to Holden Aylers tonight, Sup Dogs Live, live from Sup Dogs at 5 on the ECU Sports Network. That'll be live streaming on their social media pages, so check us out there. Tomorrow we'll be back 12 noon with Joe Sampson, Game Picks with Philip Pilkington as well. Thanks again to Cy Seymour and Mark Yellock. We'll talk to you tomorrow on Hoist the Colors. This has been Hoist the Colors with your host, Stephen Igo. Tune in weekday.